Hello again. Welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at braintraffic.com. Today, I have a lovely individual who has generously agreed to spend some time chatting with me and putting up with my hijinks. And her name is Lisa Maria Barton. And Lisa Maria is an independent consultant in information architecture and content strategy, and also just happens to be the managing editor for A Book Apart. Welcome, Lisa Maria. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you for having me on the show. How's it going? I, you know, great. It's great. It's it's finally fall, at least in Boston, where I am. It is finally, like the temperature has dropped below 60. Finally, the leaves are yes. turning, finally. Yes. So I'm, and it's gorgeous here. It's sunny, blue skies, no clouds. Really fantastic. I wonder if by the time this goes up in a week or two, if it'll, if you'll just be buried in snow. Oh, absolutely. 10 feet. It's, the snows are coming. It, <laughs> you know, I actually coming. just read that there is a milder winter predicted for the Midwest. Didn't you already have snow though? Okay. You know what? Now you're just nitpicking. <laughs> now you're just chipping away at my dreams like you do. I, I know. It's a bad habit. Okay. All right. Weather check. All right. Done. Uh, moving on to our next topic. I am wondering if you could share with me a little bit about your journey to content strategy and IA. Oh, Where okay. did it all begin? What is the myth and the magic of Lisa Marie Martin? <laughs> um, it's, I mean, like everyone's story, it's a little convoluted. Everyone's, everyone's got their weird twisting journey. To con- specifically to content strategy. Specifically to seems. content strategy. Yeah, it's yeah. unique. It's unique to our it industry. Is. Um, maybe, maybe in a few decades from now, it'll be a major in college and people will go to school for it and and then they'll come out and get a job in it, and that'll be that. But probably not. So, um, and, the, and those people will all be double majoring in like Russian literature yeah. or <laughs> the theater of the 1920s. Or yeah, yeah. Um, so I uh, I went to school for design. Actually, I was I was a designer for a short period of time. Um, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> so it was not maybe the best fit for me. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was what I wanted to do. I mean, I grew up, I grew up doing kind of two things. Uh, I was always drawing and I was always writing, um, my whole, my whole childhood. And so I got to high school and my parents were like, well, what are you going to major in? And there was sort of this consensus that writing was not a real job, <laughs> was not going to pay bills. But I, I think you've got some people listening who can probably relate sure. to that. Yeah, totally. That totally. messaging received from parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was weird, though, is my parents were like, art, yeah, that's a good direction. I don't know why. In my family, that seems like somehow that could pay bills. And I think it was because um, they, they had become aware of this thing called graphic design. I see. I see. This was like the mid to late nineties. And they were like, that, that is going to pay bills. That will, (laughs) that will make you a paycheck. (laughs) You have to, you have to divert this arts energy somewhere. Um, Exactly. And and there was like more of a guarantee of work with graphic design than there was with writing, which I think was vague and amorphous. Um, And I loved that idea. I really did. I loved design. I loved, uh, uh, I was specifically interested in like print uh, cause it was the nineties and, um, I wanted to like, sure. I wanted to design book covers and CD album covers. Like that was, that was my thing when I was 18. I was like, this is, this is the future. Um, 
so I, I went to school for that and um, I, I majored in, my major was technically communication design, um, which actually I think ended up in retrospect being very, very good training, but, uh, but it was not a great fit at the time. And um, I, uh, by the time I graduated, I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm definitely, I should have been a writer. That's what I should have done. So I immediately went and got a master's degree in, in poetry. Yeah. I I was, I was 23 and I went into master's program for poetry and I, I studied poetry for two years. And, um, the path that that gives you is not particularly economically sustainable either. Um, but, uh, I basically went into teaching after that. I was adjuncting at various universities and colleges. Uh, I moved around the country a lot, um, kind of picking up work where I could, um, and I did that for five years and, um, which is looking back really weird because I was only like a couple of years older than my students. You know, I was like 24 and teaching like 20 year olds. Right. It was just right. weird. And you're like, let me impart upon you the ways oh, of the world. So wise I was yeah. so wise. Um, and when that just kind of didn't go anywhere, I was like, there's gotta be an application for these skills in private industry, which I hear has money. And um, yeah. So sometimes, sometimes, unless it's about, unless it's for content. Unless it's for content, but you know, at the and then time, they have $4. Right, right. Um, so I, I thought, you know, I've got this design degree, I've got this English degree, um, you know, there's got to be something where I can kind of combine those two skills. And, um, you know, the next few years was trying out different gigs that that weren't really good fits either. Because, uh, you know, like everyone else in their 20s, it was, you know, sure, I'll take this marketing job. Sure, I'll take this journalism job. Sure, I'll take this, right. you know, thing where I basically am publishing a magazine to a website that no one visits. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but you can see how that kind of spiraled into this thing where I ended up as like editing websites, essentially, is what I was doing. Um, I was working in different agencies and I was helping people figure out how to put things on the internet in a way that made sense to, to the people they were trying to reach. And then you showed up and Twitter happened. And, um, I started, uh, I don't, I do not for the life of me remember how I fell into this crowd, but it was, it was this group of people on Twitter who were talking about things like content and user experience and, and the word content strategy started getting bandied about. And I, I did a little reading, you know, I got your book, I got uh, Aaron Kassane's book, and I was like, holy shit, can I swear on this show? You just did. Holy shit, this is what I do. This is the thing I've been doing is the yeah. thing, you know, so it was light bulb moment. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. That's that's how that happened. You know what's crazy if I, is I have heard some version of this story like one million times. I feel like every single content strategist I know, at least operating, um, you know, who's in their mid thirties and up, this is exactly how they came to, how we came to content strategy. It's so crazy. It's weirdly consistent. Yeah, it is. It is. We all, this is, and really, really content strategy on Twitter at this point is just therapy for all of us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not, Twitter's not the same as it was before, uh, but you know, uh, it sure isn't back in 2010. It was a great way to find a career and, and colleagues. <laughs> you know, right. it, was, it made sense. It was the only way. It yeah, was, it did. You know, it was just, it was a good time uh, on Twitter. And it was, I was lucky to have been in, in that group of that cohort, I guess. I was lucky to have found my way into that circle of, of Twitter folks and lucky to sure. have heard the term content strategy at the time that I did and, and to have glommed onto it that much. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> um, so, I want to chat a little bit about your role also in um, 
with a book apart. Can you can you describe kind of what that what the publishing house is and the work that you do with them? Sure. Yeah. So a book apart is a publisher. Uh, we we publish brief books for people who work on the web. Um, so our our goal is to kind of create these these books that speak to the real practical hands-on work that people uh, who are designers, who are developers, who are content folks, um, people, the work they're really doing. Um, we want to write books that guide them, that kind of set standards for the industry, that really kind of compile the wisdom of, of the practitioners who are out there and, and give you something that you can read in a weekend and, and take to work with you on Monday and, and put to use. So, um, you know, we, we have books about HTML, we have books about CSS, we have books about uh, responsive design, we have books about content strategy. So um, there's there's kind of something for everyone in, in this group and uh, a lot of like cross-disciplinary stuff. You know, you can be a designer and read a book, uh, you know, about JavaScript that will help you. You can be a content strategist and, and read a book about responsive images that will help you. So it's it's a really great little publisher. I think we do good work. I'm biased, obviously, but I, I do think we put out some really good books by some really good authors. I, you know what? A book apart did not even pay me to let you give that pitch, and <laughs> I agree with you fully. It's a, it's an amazing series, um, and it you are actually writing a book for a book apart as well. I am, I am. Uh, obviously, I, I had something of an in there, <laughs> but I, I, I I'm really... pretty sure they wouldn't be publishing it if it weren't awesome, though. So tell me a little bit about your book. Um, so it's. It's the working title is organizing content and uh, it, that title might not stick, but it's a good kind of uh, yardstick for what its focus is. It's really about trying to help uh, designers and developers or even content folks, I think, who uh, maybe don't have IA training, don't really deal with information architecture um, in a granular way. And yet at work, at, at their job, they have to come up with a site map, or they have to come up with a way to redo the navigation on their site, or they need to build a taxonomy, and they've never done that before. Um, so this book is, is meant as a practical guide to, you know, it's your quick and dirty build a better sitemap book. It's, it's going to help people, um, you know, who, who maybe want to learn a little bit more about how to better organize and communicate information on the web, uh, but don't necessarily want to delve into, you know, a really thick tome about navigation. You know, there's so many good books out there about IA, so many good books about uh, search on the web, about taxonomy. Um, but there aren't a lot of slim books about that topic. Um, so that's that's my goal is to write something that kind of bridges that gap. And as you're writing, is your do you really feel like your target audience is more designers and developers than content people? I've been thinking of it that way, um, but that's that's because I work with designers and developers. You know, I I my when I'm working on a, a website, I'm talking to designers who maybe haven't thought about sitemaps, you know, sure. differently before. Uh, if but I could see where this book would be really helpful for content folks who are coming at it from a more like if you're coming into building a sitemap or making a taxonomy and you've been mostly a copywriter or you've been you know mostly focused on um, say. Uh, content marketing, right? And and you're you're like, okay, but I need to think more structured. This is this is a good book for that. All right. So let me ask you a question. I am seeing, or I have been seeing, I guess, over the last several years, this sort of message that's pushed to designers and developers that is like, hey, if you're not considering the content first, then you're missing the boat because people aren't coming to the web for your design or for your code. They're coming to the web for the content. And so you really need to have a working knowledge of 
IA or content strategy or writing for websites or whatever the case may be. I have not seen a similar push or maybe I have been ignoring myself because code scares the hell out of me, uh, a similar push for content folks to understand basics of uh, design and development. Do you, what's your opinion on that? I mean, am I, am, is that just happening below my radar? Do you think that that is a fair expectation for content folks? Just talk to me a little bit about your position on that. Hmm. I haven't really thought about it before, but uh, if I had to put a theory out there, uh, I would guess that's because the process for putting content online is still very much oriented around the design process. So content people are sort of being asked to insert themselves and adapt to that process rather than the other way around. Um, so there's there's not, what I'm saying is content people are already learning on their own. Oh, I need to figure out how to kind of work with a designer. I need to figure out, they, they have already expected to do that naturally. Whereas designers, I think the process is more built around them. So if they have to stretch a little bit, if they have to like learn how to work with a content person or learn how to learn how to code or whatever the, the issue is, I think there's more of a, more of a pressure to to find a resource that will guide them through that. Does that make any sense? I feel like I've, I've made does. the reverse case, but I'm trying to say it's it's about expectations of the role, right? Yeah, I think that I think that you're right. Let me let me ask from a different standpoint because I think that with the, the editing work that you're doing with the communities that you sort of interact with more regularly, then I you know I mean like for me, I'm working directly with kind of clients and students more than anyone else. And so these are people who have come saying, we want to do content first. We want to do content right. We want to tackle the content strategy before we even start talking about visual or, or code or whatever. But, and so in that sense, I have not, as a content strategist, ever been tasked with, okay, you need to understand a little bit of the designer. You need to understand a little bit of the code. And yet I, for example, People are like, oh, editing and markup is the best. And I'm just like, that scares the hell out of me. Do you think that there is value in content strategists sort of learning the language of designers and developers beyond just sort of the high-level artifacts that they need to craft the content? That's a great question. I'm speaking as someone who has, you know, with a design background, not a great professional design background, but with design thinking training and design theory and all this stuff. So maybe it's more ingrained in my brain than I realize, but I have yet to work on a project. You can correct me if you have a different experience here, Christina, but I have yet to work on a project where those more in-depth design or developer skills were, were asked of me as a content person, as an IA person. Um, and I've worked on projects where, um, my favorite is when I get to work on a project from, from start to finish with developers and designers, kind of everyone working together. But I have worked on projects where it's content in a vacuum, right? Where it's like, like someone says, we want to bring you in to do the content first and do it right. Every project I've worked on like that, I haven't seen it come to fruition yet. Like I've done the little content thing and then they go off and they're going to do a design project now on top of it. And I have yet to see those sites launch for the last like five years. You know, so here's, an, and this is an interesting thing because this is something that we struggle with a little bit of brain traffic where people come and they're like, oh, you know, we've redesigned the website six times and it never works. And this time we want to take a real step back. We want to do the user research. We want to do the user information seeking journeys. We want to do top tasks, all this stuff. And then we want to put a content strategy in place so that we understand requirements and voice and tone and and, uh, you know, maybe IA, and then we're going to take that to a UX agency for implementation. 
And this works when they are willing to bring us along for the ride. But more often than not, they're like, create all of this documentation, stack up the artifacts, and then we're going to pass them along. And where do you see the gaps coming in there. I mean, there I, I'm with you and every content strategist would say the same thing. Just, you know, we all want to be there for the very first conversation. We want to collaborate with people through the entire process. But like, where is that a possible, is that possible for that, for that, in your opinion, for that approach to work? I mean, I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> okay, moving I'm on. I'm sure it's, someone's done that, right? No, but it's, 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 uh, it's just so piecemeal because you've got, you've got the, the organization, the company as this central point, And then they're kind of just, they're the one responsible for taking the ball and moving yep. it yes. from group to yes. group. And I, and I feel like at some point something gets dropped or the process just ends up taking so long that that originating thing that said, oh, we want to do this. And then we want to do this. It's hard to keep that going through the whole, through the whole process. And I, I have to assume that maybe folks who work on content in-house, um, maybe who are doing product content strategy, maybe it's better there, you know, in terms of being able to sort of execute on that vision and, and get it the whole way through. But I think when we're, you know, we're both consultants, we're both kind of outside the process. I think we see more dropped balls that way. I think we see more piecemeal work happening from our perspective. So here's another, this is another thing that I've been thinking about a lot as this, you threw out the term product content strategist, which was really, which really originated with the folks at Facebook, I think, um, where they were talking about, you know, doing content strategy more at the product level versus the big unwieldy website full of a bunch of content pieces level. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, so, so I've thought a lot about because product content strategists are like, oh, you have to sit down and you, you know, you, there's you and there's a designer and there's a developer in the room and you're collaborating, you're kicking things back and forth and you're working within, you know, live prototypes and, and that's way more effective. And then you can, you can push it live and see what works and then do iterative improvements. And this all <laughs> sounds like a dream come true sure. for anyone who works on the web, right? Yeah. Um, and there are a few people who have said, okay, you can take that process and you can you can apply it or begin to insert it into the website development process. But, you know, when you're looking at that kind of, I mean, I'll, I, I want to call it agile, but not agile in terms of the, the software development sure. methodology, but just, uh, you know, having that agility within the collaborative process versus this sort of, okay, we're going to go away. We're going to do all this research. We're going to figure out these maps. We're going to get at the content requirements. We're going to pass those on. We're going to design for them. We're going to write for them. Blah, 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 blah. How, I mean, in your mind, how, if, if at all, how might those two things come together or can they come together? I mean, I think that on the, on the one hand, we are coming at it from a client perspective where it's very rare that they're going to be like, okay, agency, come sit with us in a room and do this ongoing development unless it's as a contractor. But I mean, can those two processes inform each other or should they? Oh God, I, I wish I knew. <laughs> I think, you know, product content strategy is so fascinating to me because it's so not what I do right? Like it's a completely different world. Um, I have worked in-house at places, but um, it was, you know, the time, the one time that I worked in-house, let's put it that way. The one time I worked in-house uh, in the last six years um, was like, I was serving as an, almost a consultant role within the organization. So it was almost like I wasn't even doing product content strategy at that point, but I think the processes can probably learn from each other, but they are radically different. And I think when you have 
when you have an organization ask an agency to do something, I think most of the time what they're hoping for is that they will just be handed the answer, the solution, and then they can just kind of, then, then it's fixed. Whatever the problem was, the problem is now fixed. And, and you're not going to get the same kind of execute. You're not going to get the same kind of commitment from the organization because they did not create it themselves, right? There's, there's a missing piece of ownership there. And that's what product content strategy or people working in-house have over that relationship is they, they have the ability to, to get buy-in and they've got challenges too, you know, but, but they can get that buy-in that I think creates more, um, a better ability to kind of see that that product through the process. More of a momentum. Yeah, momentum. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and a sense of, I don't know, agency maybe is the wrong word in the context of working with agencies, but... No, 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 I understand what you mean. But yeah, more, more of a sense of ownership and a sense of ability to, to sort of control it and, and see the future of it. Um, coming in as a consultant, uh, you know, or, or even as a contractor, I think there's always going to be this, this little wedge there. Uh, a little bit of separation. Sometimes that can be good. I, I mean, I, I get a lot of, I think there's a lot of benefit to having a little bit of separation, but that that originating company, that point of contact needs to be able to to make that leap, right? They, they need to be willing to to commit to, to making it happen. Let me shift gears just a little bit uh, back over towards the kinds of problems that you specifically are, are called in to solve, whether it's, you know, independently with an organization or as a part of a team. Um, Talk to me a little bit about some of the projects that you've been working on lately that have been really exciting to you. Ooh. Um, gosh, let's see. Um, I like projects where I get to nerd out about structure, right? Just get really geeky about how structuring things makes communication better. Um, so that could be structuring the site, right? Looking at how different different pages are connected, looking at how the navigation structures are kind of weaving throughout and connecting users to different narrative flows. Uh, or it could be content on the page, right? The layout of the page, the structure of how, uh, you know, how the headings are coming together and how different content elements are relating to each other. Um, or it could be the structure of the content element itself. So we're talking about uh, content modeling, uh, taxonomy, how, how the different elements within uh, a single piece of content um, are kind of working together. So I, I'm just a big fan of <laughs> of imposing order on chaos, right? Like getting these kind of um, uh, pieces in place where the structure creates maybe a framework for communication. Maybe it creates a, a, a way that's easier for, for the content managers to get their content moving. And it's easier ultimately for the end user um, to be not just getting information, but like really using the information for, for good, you know, making better life choices as a result of the information they're getting on the web. Um, I saw this really great tweet, I think it was yesterday from Erica Hall, who was talking about, you know, we, we think so much about, you know, having empathy as designers, having empathy for the end user, but how much are we thinking about how do we create empathy between users? And I thought that was so good. That's the nup in content, right? And that's what I try to do when I talk about structure. I'm really thinking, how do we structure content so that people can, uh, you know, like I said, not just access it, but but really take it and do something unique with it. Do, you know, make better choices, do something offline, do something on a different website, get it to someone else who needs it. How can we really help improve, improve things that way? So it's so funny because as you're talking, I, you know, the relationship between 
content strategy and information architecture is so, like the lines are so blurry in so many ways. And I'll say information architecture in terms of the polar bear book, the traditional information architecture that we, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was sort of that that discipline that was sort of first established 30, 35 years ago as part of software documentation and then came into, you know, websites and UX in the, in the late 90s. Um, how, I mean, are you typically, when you're on these projects, are you typically doing kind of IA and content strategy together? Are you pulled in by another content strategist? Does it vary? Um, how, you know, where do you draw the line between, or or does it even matter? I mean, I might be nitpicking, <laughs> but I think that this, I think that this is of interest to listeners who, you know, who struggle with defining and kind of carving out roles on teams for themselves, where the UX designer is doing user research and top tasks and the IA person is doing, you know what I mean? Like how, how do you, how do those teams usually come together for you? Yeah, no, great question. I I love thinking about the the labels we use and the definitions of these roles, um, but I also don't um, put a whole lot of stock into them, actively speaking. Right? Uh, yeah, I know. Right. I, know. Uh, I don't really care. Right? What I get called or what what the client wants to call me, they can call me a content strategist. They can call me a UX designer. It it does not matter. Um, but uh, personally, I end up sort of filling a role that to me, blends a lot of those elements. Usually, um, I am not usually working with other content folks. I am not usually working with other IAs. Um, I am usually the person within a team that is doing whatever is not design and development, right? So it's, it's mm, sort of, interesting. I, I, okay. I see it as this triad, right? Of there's, there's a designer, there's a developer, and then there's this third person who is the content <laughs> catch-all. Right. Yeah. I mean, but I tend to work on these, uh, uh, I don't want to say smaller projects necessarily. They can be fairly large websites, but, but projects where the team is, is that kind of nimble, right? Uh, sure. it's, it's one designer, it's one developer, maybe it's two designers, maybe it's two developers. And then there's me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm usually trying to dovetail whatever I would call content strategy with the design strategy. Because again, I'm kind of inserting myself into that design process. So the designers are usually strategic thinkers. They're coming up with a strategy for the site. And I'm like, okay, what's the role content plays within that? And then how do I take that and express it through the navigation, the way the information is categorized, the way the content models are laid out and the way the taxonomy is playing into that. That's, you know, I'm taking that design strategy and sort of seeing how it fits into the IA. And then I'm calling that content. So you tell me, Christina, what is that? It's I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, sometimes I like, mean that that it's con it's content strategy, right? I mean that is. is that is it is those of us who are just like I'm thinking a little bit about content structure. I'm thinking or a lot. I'm thinking about how content substance relates to that structure. I'm thinking about how it's going to get into the content management system or what Absolutely. you know what I'm, I'm requirements doing need bit, to be for accessibility and a yeah. little bit of all of that stuff. I am not the person to call if you are like I want to know what kind of blog posts I should write. You know, right. like I'm I'm not I'm not a fan personally in my work of like focusing in on well, what does my audience want to hear in terms of editorial strategy? I will touch on that. But my focus is going to be on how are we structuring what you've got already? You know, like, let's let's get the basics in place first. Let's just make sure that what you already have on the site is doing the job you want it to be doing. And then and then we can talk about how can we kind of branch off from there and what new content do you want to create? I mean, there's, there's different flavors of content strategy, right? Like this is why I like thinking about product strategy because it's so, so, so different. Um, but there's people who are focused more in like 
brand expression in content strategy. That's not what I'm going to do. There's people who are more focused on the editorial side of things. There's people who are more focused on governance and how, how that work is happening. And I'm, I'm focused on like the IA side. What kind of inputs do you need to make the kinds of decisions that you're talking about? Oh my God. So audits are like my bread and butter. I, I mean, I just, I get so much information from understanding the current content landscape on a website. I cannot do my job without at least two separate super thorough audits. I'm not even kidding. I will, I will audit a website till the cows come home. I, to me, that's the most important thing is really truly understanding what is, what is currently out there because from that, you can figure out uh, what their what their priorities are. You can figure out what they think their audience is, what they say, which is often different from what they say their audience is. You can figure out, um, you can see the publishing challenges they're having. You can see how the CMS is interfering or or maybe making certain things easier. You can see what the, the reading level might be or sort of how they're writing. You can look at the quality of the content. It's everything. It touches on everything. So to me, the most important first step in any project I do is lots and lots of really cool audits. I'm a big nerd. Um, that's, that's the most important. Um, following that, uh, user and stakeholder interviews, obviously (laughs) that's, that's a, that's a huge part of it too, because you need to have, I can look at the data from an audit, but I've got to have anecdotal information to back that up, right? I need to see how that's also playing out in how people are using the site, how people are accessing information. And a lot of times that that goes into the the content publishing teams, how people are, you know, getting getting orders of what to put on the site or how people are making decisions about what gets published or uh, what kind of interdepartmental communication challenges they're having. So being able to understand um, sort of that that end user perspective, the stakeholder perspective, and then combining that with the audit information, that's that's it right there. That's everything I need. So that's so interesting because, you know, when the first edition of my book, Content Strategy for the Web, came out in 2009, that was sort of a given that like, okay, you want to start content strategists everywhere. Audits are at the very base, what you something you need to learn how to do because so rarely people actually look at the, you know, they look at the labels and they look at the structure of the site when they're doing an audit, but they don't look at the actual substance. And so you have to get in there and you have to dig around and you have to understand what the current content is. And then it kind of, it kind of went, the pendulum kind of swung way over to the other side, which was, you know, if we are coming at a wholesale website redesign, the first thing we need to understand is what content people actually need and want. And then it's important for us to go in and audit to see what we have, what can map to the new site structure, and and then go from there. But that an early audit, if if you're not really sure what people want, is not going to be the best place for us to spend our time. So are you, you know, are the projects I come into, are they largely like we just need to get our content into some sort of coherent structure so that people can actually find it and use it? Are are these whole you know, wholesale website redesigns. Like, I'm just curious. I'm just curious about, because literally like the, I'm sure if I were sitting with you, like the hand waving and the facial animation would have been ratcheted <laughs> up to 11 the second you started talking about audits. God, I love so, them. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but tell me about, I mean, what do you think about that perspective? Like what could, you know, for somebody to say, well, what good does it do to really spend a ton of time with content on your site if you're not real clear what people actually want? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So first I'll, I'll say that I usually am working in the context of a full website redesign. 
Okay. Um, and I think usually people are interested in, I mean, at least my clients tend to be interested in, in leveraging as much of their current content as they possibly can. I, I have not often run into people who are like, scrap everything, we're starting over, which in that case is not a redesign, really. That's, that's, a, that's a brand new website and you're, you're right. creating content from scratch. So generally people are trying to leverage what they have. And if you're talking about a large enough website, I mean, let's say over, over 300 pages, which is not very large as a starting point, but you know, unless you're talking about a 50 page website, you're, you're generally going to want to use pretty much everything you have. People don't sure. like doing work. It turns out. Um, so no one, yeah. no one <laughs> wants on. to revise the content. Um, right. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm trying to think, okay, let me also say this. I think a lot of people get audits wrong. I think it is very easy to think of an audit as just an inventory and it's just about, well, I want to know what the pages are. And that's as, that's as deep as the audit investigates. So of course you're at the end, you're left with, okay, here's a list of my pages. So what? And I think that's caused a lot of people to kind of move away from audits as, as an entering point. I think to your point about, uh, you know, what are we even auditing for? Such a good question. But even with asking it, a lot of people still aren't even answering it. They're, they're like, well, because we have to have it. We have to have the inventory. We have to know what the pages are. But I think there's so much more digging uh, and, and in-depth questions you can really get into, especially if you're doing uh, one automated audit and one manual audit and combining the insights from both. And what do you mean by an automated audit? So an automated audit being uh, something where you get a robot to crawl your site and return that inventory to you. So you have a list of literally every page that's been published. Versus a manual audit where you are personally as an individual going in and kind of following the path that the user would see. And so maybe you're not going to see every single page. You're not going to see every page that's been published and accidentally disconnected from the navigation. You're just going to sort of see the the bulk of the pages that that a user would see. Um, so I do one of each and I because I get different insights from both. You know, because you are also working at the at the component level and not just at the page or the HTML level, how do you go about auditing for for content components? I mean, that you know, and when you're digging into content models as well, I mean, that's key, right? Like we're labeling content types, we're identifying how and where they're going to be assembled and reassembled on, on at the page level throughout the site experience. Like, how do you dig into auditing for that in particular? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, and this goes back, if I can take a step back, actually, the question of what are we auditing for is is the absolute crux of, you know, you cannot move forward in an audit if you don't have the answer to that. And if you are auditing for, um, you know, trying to determine which pages or which pieces of content uh, are on brand or fit the tone of voice that you're trying to go for, I think that's the kind where what you were saying earlier, you want to kind of do your research first and then do the audit. That makes sense to me. Um, if you are like, well, I want to audit for structure. I want to audit for content types. I want to audit for those content elements. To me, I learned that by doing those audits up front. I learned that by by learning the content. To me, that's the point of my audit, right? Any audit I'm going to do, I'm trying to learn the content at me personally. The insights I pull out of that might answer some different questions, you know, depending on what the client wants, depending on what the project calls for. But I am personally just trying to understand what this site even has. Um, so by the time I've done two separate audits, I know it. You know, I know that content. I know it like the back of my hand. And I have been able to observe, oh, these are the most common content types, or I'm seeing a lot of this pattern this pattern could become this other pattern instead, or we could combine these two things into this one other content element. So to me, it's it's very much about how do you know what's on there? 
how do you know? Like personally, as the practitioner going in there as the content person making recommendations or as the IA, if you don't know the content better than the client, and I guarantee after two audits, you will know it better than the client because I've never met a client who knew every page on their site. You know, like that, it's always piecemealed, right? It's different departments own different sections. But if you can be that one person who knows all the sections, who knows all the pages, and I'm not saying you need to memorize every page. I'm not saying, you know, read every single page down to the last sentence. Sure, sure. But you, you, you learn it. You just learn it by, by going through it. Um, so to me, that's, that's why I start there. I start with that discovery process because I can't, I can't know what questions to ask unless I know where we're starting from. Mm. I keep thinking knowledge is power, is. power over the client, <laughs> power over the project team. Wah. It is though. Knowledge is power. I mean, God, <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I have a, I have another question, uh, which is that several years ago, we started talking about content strategy for mobile and uh, Rachel Lovinger started, you know, talking about structured content and content is meant to be free and we need to structure our content for reuse and for to be repurposed across sites and channels. And, and uh, Karen McGrain really dug into that in content strategy for mobile and talking about the create once publish everywhere model. Do you think that's necessary for every website? God, I haven't heard anyone talk about cope in years. I know, I but it. <laughs> it is, it is, I know, but you know, it, that is, everybody is still on the, our site needs to be responsively designed and we need to structure our content so that we can reuse it across channels and we're not duplicating efforts. I, you know, and there are, that is such a lovely, holy grail. I mean, responsible sure. design. Yes. But the, but the, you know, reuse of content across every channel is such a holy grail in so many ways, but I've seen it break over and over and over because unfortunately content components don't always consider context very well what? and can't and can't really like track along the user journey <laughs> very well but i'm just wondering is this something that you still you know that clients are still like we have to structure our content for future research reuse is that you know when you're going in you're doing content models is that is that sort of an assumption is that something that people are still talking about like what's your experience with that I feel like you don't trust the algorithms, Christina. That's what I'm hearing is some mistrust you know, of the robots. And that's, I, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> um, so I actually don't hear this that much from clients. Uh, so I don't know if that's just the clients I work with. I do a lot of work in higher ed and I, I guarantee that they want content reuse and they definitely want to be putting things out in different channels, but it just doesn't seem to be um, top of mind in terms of the conversations I'm having. And I, I think it's because if someone were to come to me with that, that specific request, I would be like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but, are we, but are we even getting it right in one channel? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm Maybe. starting. Like, I, I know. I, I feel like so much like the industry, and I, I just mean the tech industry, I mean content, I mean UX, I mean all of it. There's so much interest in running before we've learned to walk. And I, I am constantly in my work trying to get us back into that walking stage. That's that's where I try to redirect conversations. So it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, let's definitely, let's structure the content. Let's chunk it up. I'm I'm all for that. But let's do it because it's it's going to make the content better here in this website, you know? And then, then you get that right. Then we can talk about content reuse. You know, I'm also, like I said before, I'm not the, the branding person. I'm not the editorial person. I'm not the one who's going to come up with your omni-channel strategy. That's, that's not me, you know? Um, 
I think that's marketing, right? We're talking about how are we reusing our content in different spaces? How are we seeing it show up in, you know, various social media platforms? And I think that's a really important conversation to have, but I'm, I'm just going to structure it for your website because, because that's the, that's our starting point. So, you know, we get that right. Then, then, then if we get it right, it will be able to be reused elsewhere if you're putting the, the right thinking into the context and you're thinking about your users and et cetera, et cetera. How often do you get to stick around to see if you did get it right? Oh, so rarely. <laughs> um, so sad. Um, very rarely, very rarely, because usually there comes a point where if I'm lucky and I'm in a project where I am working with designers and developers through as much of the process as I can, there still comes a point where okay, we've gotten through our wireframes and I've weighed in on wireframes. We've gotten through our comps and I've made some adjustments in the comps from a content and IA perspective. And then we're getting into the development and suddenly no one's calling me for meetings anymore. And it, it's never like a purposeful, like, oh, your work here is done. It's always like, you should stick around for questions and, you know, we'll consult with you. And then it fades away, you know? And and I don't, I don't know. Um, and then maybe six months later, someone will be like, hey, the website launched. And I'll be like, oh, that's awesome. And I'll look and I'll be like, okay, this, you know, some things that I said came through and some things didn't and things changed over time. And of course, you know, over, over after launch, things will continue to change. Um, but it, yeah, it's rare that I actually get to be there actively throughout the whole process. That comes back all the way back around to what we were talking about earlier, which is that handoff and how difficult and, you know, people who are proponents of the Agile methodology will say, that's the problem with Waterfall is there's a handoff and there's no continuity and things get lost in translation. And I don't know, you know, people only have so much money and they only have so much time. And I just don't know how to, unless you have just like the super extraordinary project manager or project <laughs> director or site strategist who is really, you know, the through line and kind of protecting recommendations. And, and that's what we're uh, missing is a through line. A through line. A through That's line. the next big thing, not content strategy. Through line strategy. Oh, lady. Uh, so I'm sorry to say that our time here is nearly to an end. Uh, I wonder, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you online? I am on Twitter at Red Sesame. Um, and uh, I do have a website. It's, it's in the process of being updated, uh, but it is at They All Are. It's pretty outdated now, but uh, you can you can get it at uh, thefutureislikepie.com. And um, I also have a newsletter that is more updated than the, the website. And that is, uh, you can get it through my website. Uh, also, tiny letter, uh, the future is like pie. So Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa Maria. It is, as always, an extreme pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. This has been awesome. I love talking to you and uh, I love your podcast. Aw, oh, thanks. Well, to be clear, I did not pay you to say that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christina. You've been listening to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at, of course, braintraffic.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>